This is the news from the Lord. Hello, America. This is Jeffrey Lord with another edition of the Word of the Lord with Jeffrey Lord. You know, it is amazing. Over there at National Review, our friends have run a piece simply titled, No, over a photo of former President Donald Trump as he announced his campaign for president this very week. Respectfully, my response to the Trump announcement is not only yes, but, and I'll clean it up, heck yes. So let me, uh, before I get into that, uh, talk for just a second here. You've all heard me talk about my pillow, and now our friend Mike Lindell has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop the slippers. They're designed to wear, be worn indoors and outdoors all day long, and I do. They're made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, and they're made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable that you will want to get some for the whole family. So go to mypillow.com and click on the radio listeners square and use promo code Jeff. You will also get deep discounts on all My Pillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the fabulous my pillow mattress topper and my pillow towel sets or call 800-606-1043 and use promo code jeff now i'll be respectful to my uh friends over there our conservative friends at national review who i might add have been denounced uh today by former president trump let me just talk a little bit about their uh, editorial that was uh simply titled no over a picture of the president uh, announcing his uh, re-election bid. To their credit, they run a list in the beginning of uh, President Trump's presidential accomplishments, saying this, To his credit, Trump killed off the Clinton dynasty in 2016, nominated and got confirmed three constitutionalist justices, reformed taxes, pushed deregulation, got control of the border, significantly degraded ISIS in Syria and Iraq, and cinched normalization deals between Israel and the Gulf states, among other things. These are achievements that even his conservative doubters and critics, including National Review, can acknowledge and applaud. Unquote. But then. Then they list what they consider to be the reasons why he should not be returned to the White House, and in doing so, unwittingly, I think, illustrate exactly the swamp's way of thinking. Trump, they said, was, quote, chaotic, unquote, with an, quote, erratic nature and lack of seriousness, unquote. They go on, quote, he often acted as if he were a commentator on his own presidency and issued orders on Twitter and in other off-the-cuff statements that were ignored. He repeatedly had to be talked out of disastrous ideas by his advisors and Republican elected officials. He turned on cabinet officials and aides on a dime. Trump had a limited understanding of our constitutional system, and at the end of the day, little respect for it. His inability to approximate the conduct and the public, uh, that the public expects of a president undermined him from beginning to end, unquote. And right there is exactly the illustration of how swamp dwellers, which include a lot of people Trump hired, behave. To have to, quote, repeatedly be talked out of disastrous ideas by his advisors and Republican elected officials, unquote, says plainly to me 
that those, quote, advisors and Republican elected officials, unquote, were utterly incapable of thinking outside the box that is swamp thinking. And they panicked when Trump was trying to do just that. Anyone who has worked in the swamp, and I have for a congressman, senator, and president and cabinet secretary, knows that it works not unlike junior high school. The pressure is on to behave and think inside the boxes that have been approved by the in crowd. And anybody who thinks or acts in a manner not approved by the in crowd will be cast out. In his recent book describing his experiences, Jared Kushner, the presidential son-in-law who was appointed as a senior White House aide, describes his experience as someone who came to office with, like the president, no Washington experience. Jared had been in business his entire professional life. And in describing this, he uh, illustrates the problem exactly, I think. Jared's previous time, as I said, was in the business world. And he writes this in his memoirs, um, Breaking History, a White House memoir. He says that a veteran of the George W. Bush administration came to see him for a discussion of U.S.-China trade policy, telling Jared that using tariffs, as Trump was trying to do, was a mistake. And then Jared writes this, quote, when I asked him what he would recommend instead, he suggested more rounds of talks. I said the first thing that came to my mind. So, I said, you want us to accomplish something you couldn't by doing it the same way you did? For the Washington establishment, the answer to that question was a resounding yes. Many Beltway insiders are experts at pointing out problems, but they're even better at shutting down solutions. When confronted with the potential risks of change, he writes, they play it safe for fear that any disruption to the current system will jeopardize their political careers. This explains why some of Trump's own cabinet members clashed with him. And those of us who believed it was time to take calibrated risks and deliver more opportunities for the American people. The description of Jared's experiences on the flap of the book says this. An outsider among outsiders, Kushner was a results-driven executive among Beltway power brokers. He questioned old assumptions, oh no, and delivered unprecedented results <gasps> on trade, criminal justice reform, production of COVID-19 vaccines, and Middle East peace. Remember the Abraham Accords? In short, bingo. When one reads the National Review No article, one sees exactly the problem that is, in fact, the real problem with the never-Trumpers at large. Donald Trump, outsider that he is, thought outside the box. He was innovative, a serious change agent in the White House, which is, exact, is exactly why so many in the media and the Washington establishment obsessively despise him. As the Washington Examiner's ace political reporter Byron York points out in his own recent book, Obsession, Inside the Washington Establishment's Never-Ending War on Trump, no less than House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, that would now be soon to be former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, was caught admitting that, in the words of Utah GOP Representative Chris Stewart, quote, they've been trying to impeach and remove him literally from the day before he was inaugurated, quote unquote. How true is that? At this point, this obsession with stopping Trump has now long since morphed into a monumental battle to silence the millions of decidedly middle-class working Americans who see the country divided between what the late Boston University professor Angelo Codvia called the ruling class and its opposite, the country class. 
Today's ruling class, Codvia said, is from Boston to San Diego, formed by an educational system that exposed them to the same ideas and gave them remarkably uniform guidance, as well as tastes and habits. These amount to a social canon of judgments about good and evil, complete with secular sacred history, sins against minorities in the environment, and saints. Using the right words and avoiding the wrong ones when referring to such matters, speaking the in-language they have to do, serves as a badge of identity. Regardless of what business or profession they are in, their road up included government channels and government money, because as government has grown, its boundary with the rest of American life has become indistinct. Many began their careers in government and leveraged their way into the private sector. Many have never held a non-government job. Hence, whether formally in government, out of it, or halfway, America's ruling class speaks the language and has the taste, habits, and tools of bureaucrats. It rules uneasily over the majority of Americans not oriented to government. The two classes have less in common, he says, culturally, they dislike each other more and embody ways of life more different than one another than did the 19th century's Northerners and Southerners, nearly all of whom, as Lincoln reminded them, prayed to the same God. By contrast, while most Americans pray to the God who created and doth sustain us, as Lincoln said, our ruling class prays to itself as saviors of the planet, quote-unquote, and improvers of humanity. Our classes clash is over whose country America really is, over what way of life will prevail, over who is to defer to whom about what. The gravity of such divisions points us, as it did Lincoln, to Mark's gospel. If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And make no mistake, the speech that Donald Trump delivered in solidly presidential style announcing his 2024 candidacy was in fact the next opening round, if you will, of this battle. The reaction from the ruling class media was exactly the type of elitist disdain of which Professor Codvia discussed. In effect, Donald Trump, New York billionaire, has emerged, of all things, as the leader of the country class, which is exactly why America's ruling class so disdains him, and, yes, unmistakably fears him. That is exactly why his ruling class opposition in the media, the Washington establishment, and more will intensify as 2024 slowly approaches. Buckle in. But in this corner, I wish him well and great success. His success, I believe, is essential to the future of America. So, for the word of the Lord, this is Jeffrey Lord. Stop by my website, thejeffreylord.com, and I'll see you again soon. 